So wonderful to see all of you. If, uh, if you've got your Bibles, go to uh, Romans chapter 8. Uh, in fact, uh, Gabe, could you do me a favor? Could you grab me that iPad stand right over there? Um, we are getting our feet wet into in-person services, and I just want to give a shout-out to everybody that made today happen. I want to give a shout-out to all of you that have come on out, and I want to give a shout-out to our, our people at home. So whether you're watching from home or you're watching from in the worship center, we just want to say that every single one of you are a valid and important part of Kalamazoo First Assembly of God, and we celebrate all of you. And we thank you all for being a part. Thank you for continuing to give. Thank you for continuing to bless the ministry of KFIRS. We, because of your giving, we have not stopped reaching out, meeting needs, food pantries, helping people with situations that have risen up. Some of you have helped drive people around to help do grocery shopping and taking people to medical situations. I love the fact that when the building's doors were shut, the church never shut down. Thank you for being who you are. I cannot say thank you enough. I'm just trying to calm myself down a little bit today. Romans 8 verse 28 is uh, where we're going to dive into today. And, and I am so, I'm so stoked to preach to people. Uh, I've, I've been preaching to a handful of people on Thursday night for the past few weeks. Uh, before that, I don't know if you've ever preached to a camera. It is terrible. Nobody amends you. Nobody, you don't even know if your jokes are funny or not. That's a terrible feeling. Um, so please laugh today. I would really appreciate that. I need amens today. I need you to talk to your neighbor, which is probably a family member. You're like, I'm done talking to them. Don't be done talking to them. Um, I'm just excited just to, to be with you and just to see faces today. Romans 8.28 simply says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. Uh, one translation says that for good things, all good things come to those who are loved by God. I, I love the ESV. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things work together for good. Um, this series called Spin has been so fun as we have kind of digested very, very popular scriptures in effort to help us understand them a little bit better, as well as to help encourage the understanding of how to read the Bible in a very simple, simple way. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the 23rd happening. Thank you for the sun shining the birds chirping, the fact that uh, we get to open the doors today and to celebrate. I pray that your spirit would just permeate hearts and lives. And I ask that you would just minister one to, uh, to all people, God, from every person in the seat and every people, every person on their couch today. Minister to every single person. And Lord, I've been waiting a long time. Lord, in a few weeks, bless the Lions and the Super Bowl season. In Jesus' name, amen. 16 and 0, one more time. Last year, um, my wife and I, well, our family, we were walking to uh, our climbing gym, Climb Kalamazoo. We miss Climb Kalamazoo tremendously right now. Um, but we were walking to Climb Kalamazoo to, well, to climb. And so as we're walking down to Kalamazoo Mall, which is uh, a street in downtown, if you're not familiar with Kalamazoo, and we cross the street, and all of a sudden, I, I hear behind me, excuse me, sir. And... 
like, okay, somebody doesn't go to the church, so it's something else, it's somebody else, and it's a police officer who says, I need to speak with you and your family. I'm like, you got to understand, growing up, I, I, I grew up in a place where it wasn't the best neighborhood. Cops were always showing up to arrest somebody, so I'm like, you know, the kids did it. It wasn't me. So he says, I need to talk with you. You just jaywalked. And so I'm like, I, I did? I, I, I honestly still to this day, I don't know what jaywalking really is. I'm sure some of you are going to send me articles, but I don't need them. It's okay. Don't need the articles. I, I kind of know what I kind of know what I did. So he talked with us about, you know, you need to go to the crosswalks. You need to wait for the lights to change. You need to wait for the appropriate, you know, the walk, don't walk. And, and please do that. And it was just so very kind to us. And, you know, he it was encouraging to talk with them. I thanked him for his service. I think we've got amazing police officers in the Kalamazoo area. They're wonderful. And, yeah, let's give them a hand. They're awesome. And then, uh, you know, he, he lets us go with the warning. We got no tickets for jaywalking, praise the Lord. And so we go and we climb. Two hours later, we come out of Climb K and we're walking back to our car. And so I walk up to the, to the intersection and I look and it says, don't walk. I'm not going to name names. The person I'm married to looks both ways. She goes, well, I'm going. And as she does that, the next car coming is a police car. No joke. And she stops like a deer in headlights. She looks and he flips his lights on and she runs. <laughs> and then he flips his siren on real quick as if to say, I got you. And she's now in a dead sprint. All right, in my trailer park growing up, I'm just gonna tell you, the cops are, are coming after you. You know what you don't do? You don't run. If the lights come up behind you in your car, guess what you don't do? Run or drive. I mean, there's, there's only one ending. This situation can only end in one way. If you are running from the police officers, it's only gonna end in one way. Let's just be real. Just stop where you're at, face up to what you've done. And so what, I mean, the kids and I, we are loving this moment. This is amazing because the Virgin Mary finally did something wrong. It's just outstanding. And so we were just splitting a gut. The cop just kept driving. He never did anything. And he's just, he's gotta, having, he's gotta be having the biggest laugh of, of the day right there. And so, so he drove off, going, he's getting some donuts or something. And then we walk across the street. And uh, so we're just trying to catch up to my wife, who's already at the car. And so we just cannot stop laughing. We're like, honey, you can't run from the cops. There's only one ending. It only ends one way. When we look at Romans 8, verse 28, thank you for helping me feel funny today. <laughs> Romans 8, 28 is all about endings. It's all about things are supposed to end a certain way. But for so many years when I have taught or even, even heard specifically Romans 8, 28 utilized, it's always been utilized in a, what I would call a very myopic way, that we read it in light of a present situation. And I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say that to you that is really trying their best to encourage you in the moment. God bless them. Trying to encourage you in the moment. And you might be going through something tough and they're like, listen, don't worry because God works all things together for good. Something good is gonna come from this. Have you ever had a moment 
where you're done with the chaos and you sat back and you still can't find any good that came out of it? Have you ever had that? Where you have come through a situation, you have come through life change. Um, in our family, we've been through, uh, and I swear in the past five, six years, just a number of, I've had grandparents pass, situations happen with family, and you're like, anytime now, God, is something good gonna come? And, and more often, somebody will try to encourage with that scripture, and I think it's great, I think it's wonderful, but we sometimes misunderstand because we're so busy trying to find the good in the situation that we are forgetting we were never meant to find good in the situation because the good was always been Jesus who's with us in the situation. And what we're getting out of Romans 8 verses 28 is not a promise for something to happen in the moment, but for something. Think about the story. The way it's all supposed to end. And so I want to shed some light on this beautiful verse. Romans 8, 28, we've been teaching you for three, excuse me, six weeks, three weeks, six weeks, how to read the scriptures, and we've given you a very simple way that when you're reading one scripture, and I think we all can get hung up on one scripture because there's some great, great, great nuggets there, but as Kyle said last week, that sometimes we're so busy picking one little nugget out, we miss all of the gold that's lying around it. And so we've told you the best way to just get yourself started in reading scripture is to do what we call take three steps back. What do we mean by that? If you start off with the scripture, take one step back, look at the surrounding verses. And then take one more step back, look at the surrounding paragraph, and then take another step back and look at the entire chapter because it helps you lock in to not just utilize scripture um, more accurately, but it actually helps to deepen us. And that's the beauty of the massive, um, wonderful abyss of scripture is because there's enough simplicity that a child can grasp it, but there's so much depth that you could take a lifetime studying it and find out there are so much great depths to God's love and God's mercy. That's why, like in this scripture, you take one step back and you begin to see that the Holy Spirit helps us. I'm going to read the verses on either side here. It says, and he, and he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, uh, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the firstborn amongst brothers. So the idea is the Spirit of God not just helps us, he convicts us, he prays for us, and he works his will through us to help his will to happen. When you ask it, well, what is the will? Then you take a step back a little bit further and begin to realize as you look at the passage, the passage is not talking about a moment of goodness, but he's trying to say there is a long game here that God's desire is to redeem not a moment in your life. He wants to redeem your entire life. And more than just redeem your entire life, he wants to redeem all of creation. And then he stepped back further and we begin to see that our lives are supposed to live in response to grace and we get sustained by the love of God. And that's why the passage starts out in verse one, that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then you get to the end of the passage and begins to talk about how nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. I met somebody brand new this week and found out they're a Packer fan. I'm like, you're lucky Jesus loves you right now. Um, we had this amazing conversation about being a Packers fan. Um, which I don't think was all that amazing. But then again, he made fun of me for being a Lions fan. Let's not get into that. Let's talk about this because it's about the long game that we are saved by grace, sustained by the love of God. Why? Because God's got something planned and in store and it's something that is good and it's something that's wonderful. And sometimes that we can get so lost serving a moment that we haven't served the vision that God has for us and all of creation. 
So I want to help us understand and just digest this amazing scripture that simply says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. If you have your paper Bibles, then circle the word all. You're not going to get in trouble. I encourage you. I write all over my Bible. It's all good. Or if you're doing your U version notes, just tap on it and highlight it. The word all is so important. What does this all mean? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, that God works for our good, but not for our comfort. No amens on that whatsoever. God works for our good, but not our comfort. Let me give you the long version. God works for the ultimate good, but not necessarily for your present comfort. I think sometimes we, we like when we hear that the Holy Spirit is the comforter, but we fail to understand that there's a difference between being comforted and being comfortable. Because I've been in some very terrible situations, but have had the peace that passes all understanding. I've had the comfort of the Holy Spirit in the moment, even though the situation wasn't comfortable. But unfortunately, sometimes we can serve comfort instead of the comforter. And the scripture tells us that God works for our good and not necessarily for our comfort because we can have peace while going through discomfort. And when we read this beautiful passage, when we read this scripture, we begin to realize that God doesn't work to necessarily change our circumstance or to change the situation. That the, the scripture is not the promise that whatever you're going through is immediately going to change. You're not going to get immediate ease, but it does promise that there's an ultimate good. Well, pastor, what is the ultimate good? I'll just say it simply this way, that we would fall in love with the Lord, that we would walk in obedience to him, and that we would be conformed and made into the likeness of Christ Jesus. That, to me, is the ultimate good. You're like, well, I've already done that. I'm just going to tell you, you're not already like Jesus yet. I've watched your Facebook post for five months. Y'all need Jesus. We still have something growing and developing, but God has an ultimate good, a greater good ahead. And so we can't serve the moment. We got to serve the vision. We have a vision of what God wants to do. He wants to redeem all things. And that can rub people the wrong way because they're like, well, that's not how I want to read the scripture. I want to read it that God is going to bring good out of my situation. He may bring good, but I've learned this. That sometimes I see the good not after it happened. I, sometimes I see the good in it 10 years later or 20 years years later. But that's where we get so myopic. It's my favorite word apparently for today. We're so myopic in how we look at things. We look at things in such a temporary way. In fact, I love this quote by Craig Rochelle. He's one of my favorite preachers. He says, sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. What does that tell me? That tells me that when I see that all good things work together for good, that God may have something in store past my temporary feelings. And God may not respond in the quickness that I want him to respond. I don't know about you, God doesn't respond in my time frame or in the way that I like or in the manner or in the, maybe in the harshness sometimes that I would like. But I love what Craig says, that sometimes God's eternal purposes are at work and at play and they surpass and they trump our temporary plans. 
and our temporary experiences. God is not promising to rescue us and to give us a comfortable existence. If you ever hear that preach, please deal with me. Please write me a nasty note. I, I don't ever want to preach that God is promising all of us a comfortable existence. Yet, I'm not going to go on the flip side because I know preachers that believe that the more miserable you are, the more holy you are. Oh, my Lord and Savior. No. But God has not promised us that we're just going to be comfortable. But he shows us his need, our need for his presence as we journey through life. And he's promising us that he will not just meet us in the difficulty, he will walk us through the difficulty, and he will always use the difficulty to accomplish the good that he has planned, to help us to know him, to walk in his ways, and to shape us in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Number two, God works in all things, not just the big things. That's, that's what we're all. God works in all things, not just the big things. Let me give you an example. I, I borrowed 10 bucks today for an illustration because I didn't, who carries cash nowadays? Um, so I borrowed 10 bucks for my, from, from my daughter today. And so, ever had to ask your kids for money? Ever want to go in dad mode? I'm not going to get that back. I pay for the house. I pay for the, oh Lord, I went to dad mode today. So many of us think in terms of, when we think of all things that God works in, we only think of the big things, the monumental things, those life-changing moments that happen every once in a while. And we don't think of all meaning all things. In the Greek language, if you look up the word all, the word all means this, all, <laughs> everything, all, that's it. And what that tells me is that God works in all things, just not the big things. Some of us are like, life is made up of one decision. I'm like, no, it's not. Well, life comes out of a decision to follow after Jesus. But I'm telling you what, once you follow Jesus, you have got thousands upon thousands of decisions after that. And so sometimes, I don't know about you, I... I I don't keep change around much anymore. Apparently, we've got a change shortage going on here. So I went in my car, and everyone's got a penny somewhere underneath the seat. So I went and found a penny in my car today. And I, and I looked. I'm like, you know what? The reality is this, is I can hold on to a $10 bill and celebrate I've got $10 and think that's all great. And I can ignore the pennies and, and, or the moments in my life. But I'm telling you what, the more that moments that we have, we begin to realize that this is really just, what, a thousand pennies? Is that math right? I think so. I'm looking for someone to say yes. My math is horrible. Thank you. But when you think of the all things, the all things is this. The way you talk to somebody. The way you respond to that store work and when you didn't agree from the standards of the store. What you posted on social media or what you remarked on social media. What you thought about people. The way you responded in traffic. The way you disciplined or you didn't discipline your child the way that you responded to your spouse when you didn't like what they had to say, the way you treated your neighbor, the way you thought about your neighbor. Man, we are, we are faced with hundreds and hundreds of moments every day. God doesn't just want to work on a Sunday. I think sometimes we can treat Sundays like a $10 bill. We can treat it like, man, here's a substantial thing that's happening, and we're going to celebrate that. And we forget the week is filled with pennies. And if we can just really see the substance of all the decisions and things that happen in our week, they begin to accumulate more than what happens on a Sunday. And I'm here to say that God wants to work in all things in your life, not just the big things, but the, the small 
small things. And I love the word in Zechariah that says, don't despise the place of small beginnings. God wants to work in the small stuff. And some of us don't even understand that we want God to do big things, but many times God won't trust us with the big things because we have yet to be trusted with the small things. The small things. All means all. All means all. Think about all the decisions you make every single day. All the thoughts you have every single day. God wants to work in the all. And when we begin to realize that he works all things together. Some of you, I'm here to tell you, some of the most monumental conversations that I've had with individuals didn't come when I met them. They came because of a year or two years or three years or Copious amounts of, of conversations over coffee over the years. Some of us want the big, but God wants to work in the small. I love this quote by John Wesley. I value all things only by how they, they uh, by the benefit they shall provide in eternity. I love that quote. Why? Because I love that John looks at everything that he does having eternal benefits and opportunities. God works in all. Breathe that in. The big, the small. God works in all. And that rhymed. It's like Hamilton. Just rhymed. And they made me think, when I think of all and I think of the big and the little, it honestly made me think of baking the greatest cake imaginable. You know what the best flavor of cake is? Y'all wrong. Yellow cake with chocolate frosting. The Lord is in this place. All right. The best. It's what my grandmother made me all the time. So it just goes very back deep to my roots. So don't, don't, don't knock it. Um, it's the best. It is just, I've got good memories of it. But the reality is if we got up here and just, and just poured out or just lay out every single ingredient that makes up a yellow cake, we can bring out the, the butter, the oil, the sugar, uh, we can bring out the flour, and we can just, or just buy the mix. Uh, it's just do all the, the raw egg. The reality is, is if you took a bite out of every single raw ingredient, you really wouldn't be a happy camper. You're like, what, what about the frosting? What about you? All right, the frosting, yes, the frosting is good, but we want to take a bite of the big, and we forget about the rest of the elements, but this is the beauty, is when the elements do come together, and when the Lord brings the elements of our lives together, when the Lord brings the elements of all the pennies and all the dollars together, it's there that God begins to accomplish something great and something magnificent. It leads me to number three. That God not just does want to work in all things, that because of Christ we can face all things. He wants to use all things, but through Christ, we can face all things. Face all things. God is able, Romans 8, read it. God wants to redeem all things and he can take and redeem and restore anything for our good and for his glory. And I've, I've said this a few weeks ago that things don't have to feel good for God to make something good out of it. And the moment doesn't have to seem good for God to do something good because I believe that every painful moment can be a platform to show the glory of God if we will allow him to do it. But so, we, so often we get so focused on what's bad. You know, when this series started, uh, Pastor Matt warned me. In fact, I'll, I'll throw him under the bus. I'd love throwing him under the bus. Pastor Matt, he just said, if you preach this series and, and you're kind of almost correcting how people viewed certain passages, you're going to make a lot of people mad. And I'll tell you this. 
We don't have a lot of people mad. It's wonderful. But I've had one negative comment in the midst of, say, like 50 comments. So many people are just loving the series. And I love that they love the series. But out of, say, the 50 comments, can I tell you which one I have focused on for the past four weeks? This is our humanity. Where we forget all of what is being accomplished and done. And that's why I wanted to make sure we sung this morning, the Lord is in this place. Not for a minute was I forsaken. You know what made me feel forsaken? One comment. You know what makes me feel forsaken? It's on Facebook. It's always one comment. We've got a lady that we have grown up around in a church that we grew up with, and she feels she has to comment something on every single thing, and she wrote something on Ann's status a while ago, and I saw it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to say something. She goes, you're not going to say anything. And, I'm, and so we had this little mini battle for which I did not win. And because I just wanted to come back at it because I get so focused, but understand that we can, go, we can get past the little. We can get past the struggle because the struggle struggle is just, it's just going to be there. Why? Because you're human. In fact, I wrote this down. The struggle isn't just a fact of being human. Our struggles are opportunities to be closer to Jesus. Every struggle you face is the opportunity for us to grow into the good. What's the good? To know Jesus, to be obedient and to follow after him, that we would be made like unto him in all of his ways. And every opportunity, every struggle, every person, every point in traffic, every store, every politician, every single thing. Man, we love exercising our right to, to our speech, but we need to start exercising our right to find the good of what God wants to do and to follow him so that Jesus is what is magnified and not our political affiliation. It's about Christ. Because honestly, it's not the good things that drive us to, to the mountaintops. It's the struggles. It's the... Uh, adversities. It's the wind that we hit that actually pushes us toward the mountaintop. Too often we want God to change our circumstances because we don't like them, but often God wants to change us because he loves us. Romans 8.28 is not about God just changing your circumstances to give us something good. Honestly, Romans chapter 28, verse 8, verse 28 is really this. That God's not... He could change your circumstances, but the greater thing that he wants to do is change you. He wants to change you. He wants to change me. And quite often, I think I'm his favorite topic for wanting to change. He wants to change you. Because what you go through, God will always use to grow you. Whatever you go through, God will use to grow you. And that, my friends... Is good. Whatever you're going through, he just wants to grow you. He wants to bring out a Christ likeness. He wants to bring out his presence. He wants to bring out his mercy. He wants to grow you because there are times in the plans of God that you just got to go through stuff. If you don't believe me, some of y'all have never ever read the scriptures because sometimes when accomplishing what God wants to, wants to accomplish, that sometimes you got to go through a lion's den. We'll preach on that next month. Sometimes you got to face a giant that, that scares everybody else. Sometimes 
You gotta face a pit that somebody has thrown you in because they want nothing to do with you and they want you dead. Sometimes you face a wall as tall as Jericho. Sometimes you face storms that want to sink you. Sometimes you face a cross in a tomb that wants to seal you. But I want you to understand that whatever the struggles that you face, that God's got a good that he's gonna bring out of it. And so I say, bring on the lion's den because God can shut the, the mouth of the lion. You can bring on the pit because God will rescue me out. You can bring on Jericho, God will We'll take those suckers down. You can bring on the cross and the, and, and, and the tomb, but God's going to give a resurrection. No matter what we go through, God will grow us through it. Why? Because he is about redeeming all things. All things and everything, which leads me to lastly, number four, that all things is my reminder that God may work on things in my lifetime, but may not work them out completely in my lifetime. I'm going to shock some of you. Life is not all about you. Some of y'all need to write that down right now to remind yourself life is just not all about you. Life is not about you, but you've got a role. You've got a place. You've got a calling. You've got purpose. And I've said so many times from this pulpit, if the purpose that God has for you ends when you're gone, the purpose was never about God to begin with. My dream for this church, and Pastor Marty repeats it quite often to me. He, he loves reminding me about it. My dream is that this church will be a legacy church. What does that mean? Is that when Dave Berenger has come and gone, something bigger has got to be left behind. Because you're not here to plant an anchor. You're here to hand the baton off to somebody else. God may not work all things out here in this lifetime, but he will work them out completely over the course of life in general. Revelation chapter 21, verse five. It just simply says this, he will make all things brand new. I love Revelation. One of the books that scares me the most. Anybody have books of the Bible that scares you outside of Leviticus? Anybody, anybody? Yeah, Revelations is one. And I can't say it like scares and like puts fear in me, but there's so much mystery to it. And there's so many things to try to understand about Revelation. And there's a lot of things that I've got lots of questions about regarding end times and eschatology and all of that. But there's one thing that I do understand is Revelations 21.5. That he will make all things brand new. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. Then we have struggles that are happening around me that I don't have to focus on them, but I can lift up my eyes because I know where my redemption comes from. That I can lift up my eyes toward a hill and say, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. I can recognize that whatever I'm facing, that all I have to do is keep my eyes on the whole board. One of my favorite things to play that I'm quite terrible at unless you've never played before, then I'm awesome, is the game of chess. I love chess. I've got a board in my office. Uh, my son and I carry chess with us, a little chess board when we go hiking. And I love playing chess. But the, what I really get caught up in is one minute strategy that I just center everything around. And the problem is, is if that strategy gets defeated at any point, I'm just done. 
Because the best chess players don't focus on just one simple strategy. Obviously, strategy is the win. But the best, best chess players, they see the whole board. And quite often right now, what we've got within our country is we have got so much panic and so much anger because we're so focused on a few chess pieces and we have lost sight of the whole board. We used to sing it in school. Well, not in school, in church, not in school. That's what I was looking for. We never sung it in school, but remember the song? He's got the whole world. We gotta see the whole board. He's got the, he's got the board in his hands. That COVID did not shake God from his throne. Who gets elected in November is not gonna shake God from his throne. The things that we face are not shaking God from his throne. And I know you may feel shaken right now. I know you may be frustrated right now. I know you may feel lost right now, but I want you to lift up your eyes to the one that has all authority, all power, that says, I can work all things together for the ultimate good. I can work it all. Because I've learned it's never about the thing that you went through. It's about how you see the thing you're going through, how you think about the thing you're going through. And it's about how you face that thing that you're going through. And it's learning to recognize and see the whole board that yes, I need to be involved in politics and I need to be involved in my community. I need to have a good marriage and invest in my marriage. I need to invest in my children. I need to be a good citizen. Those are all amazing things to play our role, but we don't ever play our role without understanding the person that sits upon the throne because that's the one in whom we live and move and we have our being around us working for his good because as we work for his good he will work all things maybe not for the good of the moment but for our ultimate good and the ultimate good will be known in fruition one day in revelation 21 5 when he will make all things brand new that seems like a long ways off it can't be it could be but until that day comes when Jesus comes again, we are to be busy living our roles of loving him, being made like him, and walking in obedience and helping to make this world brand new by showing Jesus to everybody that we see. Would you bow your heads with me? Worship band, would you join me? I have yacked long enough. Holy Spirit, thank you for these moments. Thank you for these times that we've had today. Thank you, Lord, for just your presence that just is so tangible right now in this place. With heads bowed, eyes closed, and I just ask that you just have a, just a private time of prayer right where you're at. And maybe right now, uh, that word shaking right now, it's just, it's really very heavy in my heart, heavy in my spirit. And perhaps you're here today and you just feel right now, you're just, your life has just been really shaken apart. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your year has been like outside of the normal 2020 stuff. Maybe right now, emotionally or mentally, you're not doing well. Maybe spiritually, you're not doing well. It could be even physically, you're battling with some stuff. I don't know where you're at today and you feel like life is being shaken. I just, feel, I just feel the need to give you an encouraging word that the Lord is in this place. The Lord is here with you. 
Word says in Hebrews that that which shall be shaken will be shaken, so that that which, that which cannot be shaken will remain. I just want to speak life into you right now. The Lord is here. He's with you. And even though you might be feeling some shaking, there is going to be something that's going to be remaining, something strong, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. That, my friends, is unshakable. And I want you to write that word down. If you're feeling a shaking in your life, I want you to word, write the words unshakable down right now, wherever you're at. Text it to yourself. That, I think that's just a, a word for somebody today. Unshakable. It doesn't mean that you can't have something come against you. It just means it doesn't destroy you. We're going to be pressed, but not shaken. Bent, but not broken. Spirit of God, I ask it right now. You would just impact hearts. If you're not living in a relationship with Jesus this morning, whether you're watching or you, uh, from online or you're here, if you're not living for Christ, would you right where you're at, just give your life to Jesus? You may say, I don't know, know what to do about that. Just sit there and say, Jesus, I invite you in. Today, I put my trust in you. I lean into you. I give you the trust of my life into your hands. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. But today I entrust everything about my life into your hands. And ask that you would give me new life. In you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we all stand together? Can we stand in this place? And if you're comfortable, could you just lift up your hands? If you're maybe going through some times of shaking right now, maybe you're just going, maybe marriage is going rough right now, maybe something's going on in the family. If you would you just in this moment, just almost like your arms release to the Lord, would you that almost be like a release, like releasing of the moment, releasing of the pain, releasing of the anger or the frustration, and begin to open up your arms as if to say, God, I'm letting you go, but at the same time, I'm opening up my arms to whatever you've got for me. Just pour in your love and pour in your grace, pour in your mercy, pour in your power, pour in your peace in the midst of the discomfort that I'm going through and what we're going to do is the worship team is going to lead back into the song and we're just going to proclaim by faith the Lord is in this place and this place in this place and we proclaim God's goodness is here in this place because this is going to be a place that we believe miracles are going to happen in hearts and minds in Jesus name